Thank you. You may be seated. Here at Emmanuel, our mission statement is taken from Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus says this, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I've commanded you, and I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. We believe that Emmanuel has been called to go and make disciples, and we believe one of the greatest ways to do that is through the family. And that's why this summer we have been looking at this series, Timeless Truths for Today's Family, because we believe that as the family goes, so will the church go. As the family goes, so will our ability to fulfill God's mission for our church. We understand that today the family is under attack more than ever. The very foundations that we claim to hold true and dear to our hearts based upon God's word are being chipped away at by our culture. As we've begun this series and as we've been looking at God's plan for the family and we've looked at these timeless truths, we have come across once again the, the truth that no longer does our country, no longer does this world hold the foundation of believing that the family is and marriage is between one man and one woman. Our culture is chipping away at our foundational truths and the foundational beliefs. The question has to be asked, what next? This week as I was watching the news, there was a man who wanted to challenge and see what was next in regards to marriage. The story goes that he, on a given morning this week, got up and he took his lawnmower to the city hall. And he approached the city hall and he said, here's the deal. Since we are redefining what marriage is and what the family looks like, I would like to be married to my lawnmower because I want to be married to a machine. Of course, he was turned down, but in an interview afterwards, they go, why did you do this? He said, I wanted to make a point. If we have slid this far, what's next? How far are we going to go? In this last week, we have seen the world develop an outcry over the death of a lion. We've heard more comments about that than we've heard about the government's attempt to block information regarding what is being done by Planned Parenthood in the use of tissue and organs from aborted babies. The foundation of our families is being chipped away at. God has called us to be strong families. God has called us now, more than ever, to develop an attitude of trust. So as we continue our series today, The Timeless Truths for Today's Family, I want us to look at the story of Abram and his call, and I want us to look at building our families on a foundation of faith. Webster's Dictionary defines faith as this, a strong like or a strong trust in someone or something. Oswald Chambers, when asked what is faith, described it as this. Faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the commitment of things yet to be seen. When we look at God's call for us as Christ followers, as believers... As we attempt to go and make disciples, we have to have a strong foundation. And that foundation begins in the home, and it begins with us developing a foundation of faith. So as we look at the scripture this morning, I want us to look at four foundational blocks that will help us build this 
foundation of trust and truth. If you have your Bibles, join me. We are in Genesis chapter 12 this morning. God has always called his people to be a people of trust. When we go back and we look at the very beginning, as God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, trust me, all of this is yours. You can have all this. It's all for you. Just stay away from this one tree. Trust me, it's in your best interest. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. Enjoy everything, but stay away from this. So what did Adam and Eve do? Were they a family of faith, a family of trust? They walked with God for a while. They enjoyed that. But when temptation came, they decided that they knew best for them. They decided that their plan was better than God's plan. They decided that their way was better than God's way. So they reached out and they took that fruit. And from that first sin, we see the downfall of man. As we've walked through Genesis and as we've looked at God's work in the family, we see that there was a decline in the moral character of the world in that day. So much so to the point that God said, that's it. I am going to destroy what I've made. But I'm looking for a family of faith. I'm looking for a man and a family who will go with me and follow my plan. And he found Noah and he said, Noah, here's the deal. You are a God-fearing man. I've watched you. I've, I've walked with you. You are trusting in me. So here's your assignment. Build a boat because rain's coming. As we remember, there had not been any rain at that time, but yet Noah said, I'll do it. So God took this man of faith. He rescued them and he delivered them to safety. When that boat came to rest and as they came out, they worshiped God. And God said, go forth from here, be fruitful and multiply. We see initially, once again, they began that journey. They said, okay, we're going to trust you, God. We're going to go out. But again, the people began to get confident, not in trusting God, but in their ability to take care of themselves. Last week, as we looked at Genesis chapter 11, we see that the people had gotten to a place and they got comfortable and they began to prosper. And they said, here's the deal. We are doing so good at taking care of ourselves. We're accomplishing so many things. Let's build a great city in our name. Let's build a great city that, that reflects on who we are. And they built that. And then in the middle of that city, they said, now let's build a tower that will epitomize our greatness, that will point to the, our ability to take care of ourselves. And they began to build that. Once again, God stepped in said, that's not my plan. That's not where we need to go. And he caused confusion in the language so that the people, again, had to disperse. As we get to the end of chapter 11 in Genesis, we're introduced to a man by the name of Terah. Terah is Abram's father. Terah begins, again, a journey with God. He begins again to walk with him. But as we read in the New Testament, Paul says, Terah was not a God follower. Soon into the journey, he stepped aside and he went back to his old ways and he began doing things the way he had always done before. And he stopped. And again, he prospered and he began to make a great name for himself along with the other people there. But it wasn't God's plan. Scripture says, as we close out chapter 11, Terah died. As I've been studying this week and as I've been looking 
at Genesis chapter 12. It is so woven back into all the other chapters. It is woven back into the truth that God is looking for a faithful family. He's looking for a, a person or people that will join him in his activity and do what he asks them to do. God has a desire to do great things if we'll learn to walk with him. Many commentators believe that God had begun to work in Abram's life before we get to the, the scripture that we're reading today. That maybe even back in Haran, while his father was still alive, God was beginning to stir in Abram's life, even though it wasn't modeled for him. Abram, I want to do something great with you. Abram, come follow me. But instead of being obedient, he stayed where he was till his father died. Now it's crunch time. Now it's time when God is going to do business with Abram. And he said, are you going to build your family on a foundation of faith? Will you go with me? What will you do? As we look at building a foundation of faith for today's family, there's four things I want us to look at quickly this morning as we work our way through this chapter. First, let's notice the call to Abram. In the first three verses, it says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. With this call, we see three things. First of all, God has a plan. Folks, we need to remember that no matter what it looks like, no matter what the situation is, God has a plan. God had a plan when he began speaking to Abram. And he said, Abram, here's the deal. I want you to leave everything that you know. I want to, you to leave where your family has grown. I want you to leave your father's area. And I'm going to take you to a place that I will show you. Abram was hearing again God's call. And he was saying, Abram, I've got a plan for you. But that plan means that you have to have a foundation of trust. Abram, I'm not going to show you everything right now. But here's what I'm going to do. You leave, you come follow, and I will show you. I wonder what must have been going on through Abram's head as he heard that. God, you want what? What? God, it's pretty comfortable over here. It, if we look into history and as we go back and we see some of the, the archaeological finds of this area, Haran was a pretty good place. They were advanced for their time. They were enjoying uh, things that other parts of the world were not enjoying. It was a pretty good place. But God said, Abram, come, come, leave that. You want to know why Abram had to leave that? Because that culture and Abram's upbringing had not been an upbringing of faith. Abram's family were not God-fearing. Abram's culture was not a culture of faith. The world that he was living in was a pagan world. And God said, Abram, I want you to get up out of that. I want to take you to some place where I can do business with you. Will you come be a part of my plan? Will you come follow me? Will you go with me? Secondly, we see here, not only does God have a plan, but God makes some promises. Look in verse 2. God says, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. 
Abram, I want you to leave for you're known. I want you to leave where everybody knows your name. And I'm going to take you to someplace else that you don't know. You don't know the people there. But Abram, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Remember Abram's family condition right now? How many people were in his family, his immediate family right now? Abram and Sarai, his wife. Again, can you imagine what went through Abram's mind? Okay, God, I I hear that you're asking me to leave everything that I know. I understand that you're moving me out of this, but God, you're promising to make a great nation out of me? How? God, I don't get it. How are you going to be able to accomplish this? What are you going to do? How are you going to make me a great nation? How are you going to make my name known? The the people where we're going to be don't know me. How am I going to be a great man? How am I going to be a great nation? And how am I going to be a blessing to everyone I come in contact with? You know, sometimes when God makes promises, they don't always make sense, do they? As Abram's looking and listening to God's plan and his call on his life, and he hears God making these promises, I'm sure his head is spinning. But God doesn't stop there. Notice what happens in verse 3. He says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in all the families of the earth will be blessed. Abram, when you go with me, when you leave and you follow and you come join me, not only am I giving these promises to do some great and incredible things, way beyond that your ability to dream or ask, Abram, I'm going to protect you. Notice what God does not say here. Anywhere in the scripture do you see where he says, Abram, it's going to be a cakewalk. Abram, as you leave and as you're obedient and as you follow me, it's going to be easy. God didn't promise him that. What he did promise is, I will go with you. I will be with you, and I will protect you, and I will see that my promises to you come to fulfillment. God says, Abram, here's the call. Here's the call. What are you going to do with it? As we look at the call of Abram, what are the timeless truths that are there for us today? Here's the good news. God still has a plan today. Do you realize that God is still active and God is still working today? That last command that Jesus gave before he went to heaven is still active today. He said, go make disciples. That is his plan. You know, how much time do we struggle day in and day out going, I wonder what God's plan is for my life. Anybody ever ask that question besides me? Okay, I'm the only one. All right. I am so glad I would love to spend time with the rest of you all this week and help me understand how to get around that. But the simple truth is God's plan is join me and go make disciples. Come follow me and I will use you. God's plan is still active today. God still gives us promises today. As you read scripture, do you see all the promises that God gives us? What is the greatest promise that God gives us? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. What if God just stopped with that promise? 
Is that enough? Oh my goodness, just the knowledge that I don't have to earn my way into heaven, that God loved me enough to pay the penalty for my sin and to purchase a place in heaven for me through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. He promises me eternal life if I'll just trust him. But it goes beyond that. Remember what he told his disciples as he was getting ready to leave the earth? He goes, guys, I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm not going to leave you comfortless because when I go, the Father will send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth and knowledge. God promises to walk with us and to be with us each and every step of the way. And God still offers us protection today. Now, before you think you can run out here and do anything you want and that God's going to take care of you, remember what God didn't say. He didn't say it was going to be easy. He didn't say that we wouldn't encounter hard times. He didn't say that there wouldn't be trials and storms in our life. What he did say is, I will see you through that. And maybe seeing us through that means that we end up in heaven with him. Is there any greater protection than to enter eternity? Is there anything greater than to be able to get to what God has ultimately promised us? But as we travel and as we walk with him and as we begin to build that foundation of faith and trust in our lives, God says, come, join me, be a part of my plan, understand my promises and know that I will see it through. The second stone that we see here as we begin to put our foundation together is not only is there a call, but there has to be a commitment. When Cheryl and I were dating, uh, we began dating in our freshman year at college. And uh, as uh, spring came around and it was time to go home for the summer, you know, it was, oh, I'm going to miss you. Oh, you know, and, uh, you know, all that going on. And, and uh, we made an agreement that as soon as we could figure out a time and I could get enough money set back to pay a friend for some gas, that I would go see her in St. Louis. And the time finally came for us to go and it was getting close that weekend. And as we were approaching that time, I remembered this stirring in my heart that God was saying, this might be the one. And I'm going, say what? Yeah, this might be the one. This, I believe, is who I'm choosing for you to spend the rest of your life with. And I began to get a little excited and nervous, all in the same thing. And as that time got closer, and I was praying about it, I'm going, God, how will I know? God, how will I know? How will I know? What should I do? What? And then I came up with this brilliant idea. God, if she's the one, when I ask, she'll say yes. I've never been accused of being the brightest bulb in the box, okay? But that was my plan. We got to St. Louis. And we enjoyed a couple of days, and it, it was in the late evening, and my friend was out seeing some friends of his in St. Louis, and her folks had gone to bed. And I was sitting there, and, you know, the sweat was beginning to roll off of me, and we were talking about, you know, life in general. And, and I finally got up the courage, and I go, can I ask you a question? And she kind of snuggled in and goes, sure. I said, now, this is a hypothetical question, all right? <laughs> Hypothetical, no right, wrong answer here. This is a hypothetical question. Suppose that I were to ask you to marry me. What do you think you would say? I don't know if I'd been her. I think that's where I would have packed my baggage and ran. 
But in her infinite wisdom, she came back with this answer. I don't know. But if you want to find out the answer, you'll have to ask me. Okay? Okay. Will you marry me? And she goes, yes. I go, why wouldn't you say that before? I wanted a commitment. I wanted to see that you were committed to me before I commit to you. Isn't it great that God said, I'm already committed to you? And he's not throwing out hypothetical questions to us. He has said, here's my plan. Come join me. But what he is looking for from us is commitment. Notice the walk with Abram. First of all, as Abram began to make this commitment, he had to agree to follow Notice verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when, when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem to the Oak of Bor. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Abram took the first step. And he said, God, it, it, it doesn't make sense. Can you imagine Abram trying to explain what they were going to do to Sarai? Hey, honey, guess what? We really haven't been people of faith, but God talked to me today. And he said, he's got a great plan. And his plan is for us to pack up, leave everything we know and go with him. But I don't know where we're going. But he made me some promises. He said, if you'll go, here's some things I'll do. And now it's time to make a commitment. Abram leads and he says, okay, we'll go. So he packs up. Notice what scripture says about his age. Now, Abram was 20 years old when God called him. 40 years old. Abram was 75 years years old when God laid out the plan. And I already see the wheels turning and going, but he lived to be 170 years old, so that wasn't really all that old. Think again. Even if he lived to be 170, he had lived almost half his life doing his own thing when God says, uproot and go with me. And Abram said, I will do that. I will follow. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know where God was going to take him. All he knew was God said, follow me, trust me, and I'm going to do some incredible things. How difficult is that to do? Do you think Abram struggled with that for a while? Do you think he thought through that? I believe he did. But as he came to the end of that, he said, I'm going to build my family on a foundation of trust. I'm going to build my family on a foundation of faith. And I am going to model for my family what it means to do a faith walk. And so he takes off. Interesting thing. The journey that God takes Abram on, as he takes him through the land of Canaan, many years later, as Joshua takes the people across the Jordan, guess what path they go? The exact path that God took Abram on. As they were going through, God was saying, Abram, the land you're walking on is going to be your descendants. 
Abram, when you stop here at this first place and you're in the middle of this pagan country and this pagan culture, here's the good news. One day it's going to be filled with your descendants. One day it's going to be my people here worshiping me. Abram, this is what is yet to come. Follow me. What an incredible commitment Abram made. What an incredible journey he went on as he walked that journey of faith. Not only did the commitment call for Abram to follow God, but notice what comes next. As we follow God, we need to faithfully worship. Look at verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give you this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. When we commit to follow God, we also commit to worship him. Why was that so important for Abram? Why was it so important that he worshiped God? As he got to that first place and as he stopped and God met with him, he said, Abram, this is for your offspring. Abram, I'm going to give this land to you. As Abram heard that, it welled up with inside him and all he could do was to build an altar and begin to praise God. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you of how great your plan is. God, thank you for bringing me and showing me this. God, I worship you. You are faithful. You're holy. You're just. As Abram continued in that journey, the next place that he got to, and as God said, this is still part of the journey. Notice what Abram did. He built an altar and he worshiped. Do you realize in the land he was in, nobody else was doing that? They were worshiping pagan gods and pagan idols. And here in the midst of a people that was unknown to Abram, in a land that was unknown to him, in a culture that was unknown to him, he is worshiping God. Notice the last part of this commitment. Not only do we have to follow and faithfully worship, but we must remain focused. Notice verse 9. And Abram journeyed on, still going towards the Negev. Once God began to reveal and show him, Abram said, I'm going to follow. I'm going to walk with you. And as he worshiped, you know what happened there? It gave him the courage and the knowledge that if God has brought me to here, he'll take me to the next step. And God, I worship you here, and that infuses me to go on to the next step. And God, I worship you, and he was able to stay focused. Anybody here have a problem of staying focused? I'm so glad I'm not one of those people that have a problem staying focused. Shiny thing. All right. It'll come to you later. All right. How often do we set out to do something and along the way we get distracted? How easy would it have been for Abram to have got to that first point and go, wow, this is an incredible place. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. I choose to stay here. I don't need to see any more. God, this is good. Let me stay here. But God said, no, this isn't it. Keep going. And Abram had to stay focused. If Abram had lost focus there, what might have happened? What are the timeless truths that we can see about committing to following God? Number one, we have to follow. Isn't it amazing 
that we claim to be people of faith, that we can trust God with our eternal life. But when he says, now come join me in my mission, we go, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. I bought into that eternal life thing, but, but here now, God, I've got an idea. I've got a plan. And it looks pretty good from my vantage point. So God, you know, I'll follow you for the eternal thing, but here now, no. See, when we commit to God, and we commit to go with him and follow his plan, and to reap what he promises us, and to enjoy his protection, we have to sell out. I'm afraid that's one of the problems with the church today. We jump all over trusting God for eternity. But we go, God, are you big enough to handle what I'm going through today? God, you don't know what I'm enduring. You're asking me to do what? God, you're you're asking me to be your ambassador? You're asking me to share the good news of the gospel? I don't know. God, you want me to be your follower? You want me to be a disciple? God, you want me to do what with my money? You want me to trust you and give you 10%? God, you don't know what I'm dealing with right now. Folks, we are either going to be people of faith with everything, or we're not going to be people of faith at all. How can we stand and tell a world that our God is big enough and powerful enough to give us everlasting life, but he can't handle what I'm going through today? You want to know why there's an amazing dropout between the years of high school and college? Our students are modeling what has been modeled for them. They watch mom and dad and they go, yeah, God's big enough to handle eternity, but he can't handle day to day. Oh, he might be able to handle things day to day, but you know, that's not really the direction I want to go. I want to do my own thing. And look, I want to do this and do that. Is it any wonder, as I've read in a recent article, one of the greatest challenges facing the church in the future is unbelief. What have we modeled for the world that we lived in? Have we shown them that our God is able? We come in here on Sunday morning and we lift our voices in our arms to God and go, God, you're big, you're awesome. I stand amazed at you. I, God, I, it's, it's unfathomable how wide and how deep and how great you are. But tomorrow, I'm taking the reins. Folks, when we say, I'm going to be a Christ follower, that means setting aside our plan and joining God. Why do we need to worship? We need to worship because that reminds us of the attributes and the character of God. As we were saying this morning, did you hear the timeless truths that we were proclaiming this morning? As you were worshiping, were you reflecting on the greatness of God? Were you saying, wow, God, it has been an incredible tough week. But thank you for reminding me how wide and how deep your love is. Did you stop and say, God, the blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. 
When we come to worship, authentic worship is focusing on God, who he is, what he's called us to do, and what he's going to accomplish in and through us in the days to come. Anything short of that is false worship. In our worship time, if we are not focused totally on God and who he is, our worship is in vain. But as we do that, and as we look around, and as we see a family of faith that is joining with us, proclaiming the truths and the character of God, folks, that should infuse us to look forward to what comes on Monday. I don't know about you all, but, you know, as we were worshiping today, I was just amazed. The incredible thing is, Pastor Mark and I did no conversation about where we were going with the part of worship and where we were going to go with scripture. God intricately wove that together. And do you see the truths that we proclaim that we're now reading in God's word? Is God good or what? God is faithful. But part of this faith journey is learning to worship, is learning to sit back and go, God, I worship you. I adore you. And we've got to remain focused. You know, when things get a little tough, when things get a little tight, what's the first thing we want to do? We want to grab the reins back. We want to take control again and saying, you know what? I'm going to focus on this instead of focusing on where God wants me to go. I want to focus here instead of what God's called me to do. If we're going to be families of faith and we're going to accomplish all that he's called us to do, we have to stay focused. We have to make that commitment. Notice the third brick in our foundation. It'd be nice if we could stop the story right there and go, wow, you know, that's incredible. But part of that foundation of faith, folks, is that there will be challenges that come. Notice in verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman, beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is my wife. This is his wife. They will kill me, but they will let you live. Say that you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. Abram has been walking with God. God's been faithful. But notice the first challenge that that we're aware of that he comes across. In this faith journey, a famine arises. As I was reading some commentaries, one commentator said this, We should stand up and applaud Abram for being such a wise man to take his family out of the land of Canaan and go to Egypt where there were supplies for them and he didn't return to his own homeland. I took that book and I chunked it across the room. You want to know why? Because Abram was not to be rewarded for that decision. In Scripture, do you see that Abram was told by God... There's a famine. Now, Abram, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get up, and I want you to take your family to Egypt. When the challenges come, and Abram had to look at that, he said, I got this. I'll take care of it. I will leave the land that has been promised to me and to my inheritance, and I will go to a place where I know I can get what I want and what I need. Not only that, As he faced that challenge, he put his family in jeopardy. Because as they were getting close, Abram says, Sarai, you're a beautiful woman. And when we get to Egypt, 
the people are going to look at you and they're going to admire your beauty and they're going to say, bye-bye, Abram. We're going to get rid of him so that we can add Sarai to our, our family and into our tribe. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to lie. Well, not really lie, because after all, Sarai was Abram's half-sister. It was his father's daughter by another mother. So Abram is, once again, as he faces a challenge, he's taking things into his own hands. And he's saying, God, I understand you have a plan, but I choose to do things my way. Not only was there external challenges, but there were internal Can you imagine the battle that might have been going on in Abram's life? Listen to this. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. As Abram started this little plan of his own, he began to have a little success. The people bought the lie. And not only did they buy the lie, but Pharaoh said, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to begin to reward this woman's brother with some goods so that he will, so that I can find favor with him and that I can have his sister in marriage. Can you imagine what Abram must have been thinking? It's working. This is so awesome. You know, not only do we have food, not only am I taking care of my family, I'm still alive. And guess what? Pharaoh's given me a lot of stuff. He's blessing me with all kinds of things. Anywhere in Scripture, did you see where God said, Abram, pack up, go to Egypt. Abram, tell a lie about your wife. And then Abram, I'll bless you. What are the timeless truths that we can gather from this? When we commit to being on a journey of faith, when we commit to building our lives and our families on that foundation of faith, folks, challenges are going to come. It's not going to be an easy walk. There are going to be things that are going to come into our past that are going to shake us to the very roots of our decision. But the question is, what are we going to do when those challenges come? Are we going to stay focused and are we going to continue on? Or are we going to do like Abram and sell God short? You see, folks, the world is watching. And they're hearing our story. That we serve a mighty and powerful God. That he is able to do more than we can dream or ask. That he will take care of us. That he has given us eternal life and that he is there for us each and every day. They're watching how we deal with life. What message do we send to the world when we get into a tight spot? And we go, "Mm, I'm going to walk away from what God's asked me to do and I'm going to take things into my own hand. I know that God's called me to be his ambassador, but you know what? That's a little too scary. So I'm going to put some money in the offering plate and let somebody go do my job for me. I know God's called me to be faithful with my tithes and my offerings and to trust him with my material resources. But do you understand what's going on with my car? Do you understand what's going on at home? 
Do you ever notice that once you've made that commitment to follow God, especially like with your resources, immediately after you've made that commitment and you're all in, what's the first thing that happens? Car breaks down or something falls apart at the house. Ever notice that? You know what God's saying? Am I big enough? Do you think I can handle this? Most of us, our first response is, okay, let's see. That car repair bill will be about the t- All right, if I withhold my tithe for the next two and a half months, I can pay that off and then I can get back into doing it. Whose money is it anyway? Is it our money? Is it our house? Is it our car? Is it our job? No. No. It's God's resources. And because he's chosen to bless us, we have those things that we have. We have a place to live. We have a job. It's because God has given them to us. And if God has given them to us, he owns everything. You think he'll take care of it? What do you think would happen if the next time as you've committed to being on this faith journey, something happens and you go, okay, God, I committed to being faithful with my tithes and offering. Your car just broke down. How are you going to fix it? God big enough to take care of it? What about when the dishwasher breaks? God, your dishwasher just broke, so how are you going to fix it? I'm, I'm going to be amazed as, as I watch you provide. Folks, God's faithful. He loves us enough to take care of our needs. He may ask us to put bubble gum and bailing wire on the car to keep it running for a little while longer, but he'll get us where we need to go. He's faithful if we'll trust him. Notice the last thing. As we build this foundation of faith, we understand we have a call. We've got to make a commitment. There's going to be challenges. Notice this last thing the consequences of mistrust. I'm so glad as God gave us the scripture, he used imperfect people to speak to imperfect people about how great he is. Abram was not perfect. He took matters into his own hands and notice what happened, the consequences, verse 17. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you not say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife, take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. When we choose not to build on that foundation of trust, there's going to be consequences. There's going to be consequences to others. Notice what the scripture says. First and foremost, because of Abram's lack of trust, God brought a plague on all of Egypt. Because Abram wouldn't follow God, many, many people suffered. Think about this. Because Abram didn't model faith, because he didn't show strong faith to his family, what happened to Sarai? A little later on in the story, we see what happens when God says, Abram, y'all are going to have a baby. Did, a- did Sarai begin rejoicing and going, yes, God is faithful? What does Scripture say? What did she do? 
You know the story. What'd she do? She laughed. Why would she laugh at God? Because her husband had modeled lack of trust. And if God wasn't big enough for Abram to trust back then, why should she trust God to be faithful now? There was consequences to himself. As Abram had to deal with these things, there was consequences in his life. But folks, here's the good news. The story doesn't end here. Abram learned. And he reestablished his foundation. And God continued to build in him that foundation of faith so much that finally when God blessed him with his own child and he said, Abram, now give him to me. Go kill him. We know what Abram did. He said, yes. Even if you ask for my son, God, I trust you. You're big enough. You're faithful enough. What are the timeless truths that we need to pick out from this today? When we choose not to trust God, there will be consequences. Moms, dads, as you're working with your families today, and as you're working with your children, grandmas and grandpas, as you're speaking to your grandchildren, and you're telling them about this mighty, awesome God who is faithful, and they hear you proclaim it, but they watch you not walk that walk of faith. You know what you're telling them? God's not big enough to take care of everything. Church, when the challenges come and when we begin to deal with things and we look out there and we go, let's take things into our own hands. What are, we, what are, we, what are the consequences? We're telling a world that our story isn't true, that our God's not big enough to handle it. I'd love to be able to stand before you this morning and say my faith walk has been impeccable. I'd love to be able to stand here this morning and say that all through my Christian walk, I've trusted completely and totally God. There have been times in my life when challenges have come. And instead of listening and heeding to what God was asking me to do, I took matters into my own hand. In those challenges, I thought I had a better plan. Have there been consequences? Yeah. Have there been consequences to other people? Sure. To me? Yes. But the good news is, God is faithful. No matter where you're at today, God still has a plan. And that leads us to four questions I'd like to ask as we go into our invitation time. And they're simply this. What's God, what is God calling you to trust him with today? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never even begun that trust walk. Please look at God's word and look at God's character and not at us because we're going to let you down. But the good news is God is not. He is faithful. He is big enough. He is trustworthy with anything, beginning with your eternal life. If you're here today and you've never reached out and you've received that incredible gift that God offers called eternal life, he's calling you today. He's saying, come be a part of my family. Come be a part of my plan. My plan is this, is that you would know me through a personal relationship with my son, Jesus Christ. 
Christ follower, have you been obedient to what God's called you to do? Maybe you're here this morning and you've begun that faith walk, but you've not followed through in believer's baptism this morning. Maybe you need to come and say, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to take that next step and I'm, I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to be baptized and I'm going to declare to the entire world that I'm your follower. Christ follower. What about God calling you to be faithful with your tithes and your offerings? Is he big enough to trust that? Maybe you're looking at some situations in your family and you're saying, God, are you big enough? Is he big enough to handle that? The answer is yes. No matter what you're dealing with today, God will see you through. The question is, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond to what God's calling you to trust him with? Have you committed to trust him in those areas? See, it's real easy to say intellectually, we believe that God's big enough to do all that he said he'd do. It's another thing to step out in faith. This summer, we had an incredible opportunity to meet some incredible couples in Montreal. Real briefly, two of their stories, Graham and Alyssa. Graham is a young man, just a couple years old in Christ. God began to do work with him while he lived in Winnipeg under the ministry of Pastor Aaron there. God brought him to salvation. Pastor Aaron left and Graham continued on. But in the next year, God began to stir in Graham's heart. And he says, Graham, I want you to follow me. I want you to leave the area that you're comfortable with, the area that's been home to you your entire life. And I want you to follow me. And I want you to come be a part of what I'm going to do in Montreal. Graham and Alyssa packed up. They left everything in Winnipeg, moved to Montreal without jobs, without a place to stay. Except we trust God. Before they got there, guess what God provided for them? A place to live. And guess where that place is? Right in the heart of the area that they want to plant a new church in. Coincidence? A matter of days after they got there, God provided Alyssa with a job. Incredible. This young couple saying, I surrender. God, you're big, and we're going to build our family on a foundation of trust. We met Mike and Faye this summer. Mike and Faye are in their 70s, and God's done an incredible thing in their lives. They've been faithful, and they have built for years on that foundation of trust, and they've modeled that. But in their retirement years, God has said, I have a plan for you. I want you to join me on mission. And God began to call them into some short-term missions. And they, they went with their church on some mission trips. And God began to stir within them a calling to missions. They took a short week trip to Montreal. And as they went home, Mike shared this story. He said, God wouldn't let Montreal out of our hearts and our minds. God called him back this summer to Montreal. He said, pack up, go for three months. Leave everything behind. So they left Arkansas and moved to Montreal. Didn't have a place to stay. Didn't know anybody there but Pastor Aaron and his family. Within a matter of days upon their arrival, God gave them an apartment and began to let them meet people in the area. Our God is big enough that we can trust him. But you want to know something? I'm afraid that we are willing to stay comfortable and remain at status quo. Could you imagine what God would do 
with people who say, God, this is it. You've called me to walk with you. You've called me to trust you. I'm going to go. Are you going to commit to that? There's going to be challenges. But the good thing is God will see you through. Some of you may be sitting here today and go, you know, I'm not really trusting him, and there's consequences. The good news is God says, I'll give you a fresh start. Trust me. Come walk with me today, and I'll show you some great things. God is calling our families to build on a foundation of faith. He's calling us as individuals to build on a foundation of faith. Are we going to trust him? Are we going to allow him to reveal his plan? Or are we going to allow him to do great and incredible things? Abram never saw the completion of God's promises, but yet he followed. He remained faithful. Was God faithful? Yes. Will God be faithful today? Yes. What are you going to do with it? Let's pray.